You're listening to AIB Market Talk with our latest financial market update. Hello and welcome to our Market Talk podcast channel. My name is Gavin O'Carroll from AIB Treasury. We are excited to bring you a special podcast today. We are delighted to welcome Hubert O'Donoghue, General Manager of AIB Merchant Services and well-known within the European payments industry. We are also privileged to welcome Adolfo Laurenti, Principal European Economist of Visa Europe, and our very own Senior Economist, John Fahey. Welcome all to the podcast. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Gavin. Thank you. Thanks, Gavin. Today, we plan an overview of consumer spending trends, both domestically and internationally, in the COVID pandemic, and obviously looking ahead post us in the domestic parts of our economy and also on the international side. We really want to drill down into the retail, hospitality and airline sector to bring you previously unseen trends as economies globally move back to reboot. We are hoping to move like the time zones from east to west in terms of how economies have begun to recover in Asia and they, as they experienced the pandemic earlier than us and therefore can nearly predict the future for sectors in the Irish and UK economies. To set the scene before we go into the payments data with Adolfo and Hubert. I'm bringing in John Fahey, our economist. John, what are we seeing in the traditional macro data and in the high frequency noise that goes on? What we're seeing from the uh, traditional macro indicators such as survey data like the purchasing manager indices, measures of consumer confidence, measures of business confidence, is that as we got through the low point in April, uh, we started seeing improvement in May data and June are also positive. So what are these saying? So they're telling us that activity and confidence levels are increasing as we move through May when restrictions started to be eased in a lot of the major advanced and global economies and we're seeing further improvement in June. So that's Broadly, things are moving in in line in terms of the trajectory. But if anything, some of the levels are actually somewhat better than expected. So it's still early days yet, but the tentative signs are encouraging that the rebound in activity is underway. And the key driver of this, as we've talked about in previous podcasts, is obviously the removal and the easing in restrictions just to allow those sectors that have been locked down to get back operating. So the indicators are consistent with what we would have expected there. In terms of the structural shifts that are going on around us, and we've talked about this, John, in previous podcasts, what are the structural shifts now that you're seeing taking place globally that are are clearer to you over recent weeks? So when we look at what's happened and the experience and how things have kind of changed very quickly, just in terms of how people work from remote work access, use of technology and just how people consume, we can see both in Ireland and elsewhere in terms of retail sales data, a huge move to online. So I think one aspect of this that would become a a permanent feature from a structural perspective is in relation to consumer spending and overall consumption that much more of it will happen online in terms of online shopping but also even provision of services around education and medical so much of that is going to move to online so I'm sure Hubert and Adolfo will probably go into a bit more detail on the payments aspect but obviously then that would lead towards increased transaction and increased payments not just for your traditional consumer goods but as I said areas like education, medical services would predominate then move towards much more cashless payments and more online type transactions. Thanks, John. Adolfo, thank you for joining us for today's podcast. Visa Europe is a major player and key partner with AAB Merchant Services. Could you please tell our listeners who Visa Europe are? Absolutely. And first of all, thank you for having me today. Visa Europe is the European arm of Visa Inc., the payment company that 
probably we are all familiar with, 138 billion transactions globally, $8.8 trillion process every year. We are a major player around the globe in payment, not just debit and credit card, but all form of payments along with the technological transformation of our days. And we are very happy to be here today supporting our Irish audience with some insight about the state of the economy. Okay, Adolfo, to start digging into the rich MI that you guys probably have across the world, if you were looking at the recovery trends that we're seeing globally in the countries that previously had experienced the pandemic earlier than this side of the world, what are consumer spending behaviours and the shifts in their attitudes like in terms of helping us understand how the reopening of our economy will go? We definitely see some major shift happening over the last several weeks after the pandemics as economies reopen. One is obvious. I think everyone has noticed this. It's a major shift in direction of e-commerce. It's not just e-commerce, though. It's digital payments that now are becoming more pervasive also in face-to-face transactions. You mentioned our global reach. We are clearly monitoring different countries in different parts of the world, how they sit on this curve, this exit curve from the pandemics. So we are accumulating a lot of evidence from Asian countries and European countries. In fact, we have many countries in our regions that have opened relatively sooner and seems to be relatively resilient to the risk of a second wave contagion as it's emerging in Far East Asia. And specifically, do you have data on the countries that have headlined as being successful in getting their economies restarted, like the New Zealands and the Singapores? We have some data. Again, it's very interesting. Overall, we are very close to the payment level that we experienced right before closing with that major shift to digital that and e-commerce that I was mentioning. It's very interesting to look at the progressions through the economy that we see through sectors. During the pandemics, we have seen uh, a lot of uh, areas in retails uh, struggles. By definition, it was the time of the lockdowns. But as we exit, we definitely see some categories picking up earlier and and other ones are still lagging. Of course, we have seen food and groceries doing very well during the pandemic. Home goods and appliances pick up toward the end of the lockdowns. Now we are seeing a pickup in hardware stores, home improvement, clearly activity that can take place outdoors, but that people have been waiting. So there is a kind of a pent-up demand as well as exercising tools. Sporting goods uh, seems to be doing fairly well. Of course, we have all the categories of entertainment, uh, retails related to restaurants, uh, dining out, uh, cafe and bars that are still behind. Although we are beginning to see some green shoots on that front as well in some countries that seems to have done better in terms of pandemics outcomes. And you come from Milan and are based in London for your job. What do you see that is surprising for you? I mean, we we understand a lot of the sectors that have been impacted through this pandemic, both domestically and internationally. But what's the big theme for you coming through, not just from a sector perspective? 
It has been very interesting. If you look back, Italy was one of the very first countries to go into lockdown. I was on daily contact with my family, my parents over there. So indirectly, I lived through that experience. And on the other side, the UK and London were one of the last European countries to adopt the lockdown. What has emerged very interesting is that regardless of what was government mandated in terms of lockdown, closure and openings, people responded in very similar ways. Social distancing is not just something that governments can turn on and off by fiat. It's something that people really absorb and adjust depending on their perception of risk. So even in a country where lockdown was not mandated as yet, like in March in the UK, we have seen a major declines in activity, especially face-to-face, restaurant stores and so on. Very interesting to see the power of people and the public responding to the risk of a pandemic, regardless what authorities were recommending to do. That's a very interesting point. And look, it brings me to Hubert, because I just want to bring in some of the domestic angle. Hubert, you're general manager of AOB Merchant Services, and I think you've got the behind the scenes data from card spending here across the nation. What's the latest data your teams are seeing regarding consumer spending in the Irish and UK economies? So AIB Merchant Services is the largest acquirer in Ireland, catering for merchants of all sizes from SMEs to corporates. Globally, we have about 51,000 merchants, about 30,000 of whom are based in Ireland. We came into this crisis in a very strong position. Our volumes were about 13% up. If we look at February, 13% up uh, year on year. However, just before Patrick's Day, when the government announced the imposition of restrictions, in particular, I think the cancellation of the St. Patrick's Day festivities really hit home with the Irish people. And I think the Irish people realised just how serious this situation was. And so what we saw, uh, we had, let's say, half a good month and half a bad month in March. And as I look at March, March was 20% down on prior year. After that, you know, it was like the COVID curve, if you like. April showed a 42% decline on prior year. And then, as we heard in the month of May, some of the change of policy in regard to the restrictions. So the movement from, from five phases to four phases, the pulling back of some of the dates, we then started to see some recovery. So as we stand now, we're 21% ahead June over May. We're still about 20% off where we should be. So, you know, that's the macro view, a slow but steady recovery. And indeed, each announcement by the government having a, a very clear effect in terms of the behaviours of, uh, of people and their spending patterns. So, Hubert, that's, I suppose, the general overview, but I presume some merchants across the country would have, would have stopped completely in, in certain sectors specifically. Yeah, look, if I were to look at our book, we have over 30% of the market. We're the largest acquirer in Ireland and we have a presence in the UK also. We had about 18,000 merchants who went completely dark. So no transactions, no activity. 
and that was you know across all of the obvious sectors so we would be very strong in the hospitality and restaurant sector if we look at hotels straight after the announcements pretty much over 90% down we have some key airlines some large airlines over 90% down we would be strong in the food convenience sector obviously as Adolfo outlined there that was a very positive spot in an otherwise pretty dark picture so if we look back to industry in Ireland in the last week or so, there's been a lot of uh, stories about the movement from cash to cards. And I'm sure both you, Hubert, and Adolfo, you globally in Visa Europe have seen that that trend has probably only just migrated, something that was due to happen over the next three to five years in, in potentially a few weeks. Oh, yes, like that's it's very marked. And I think, again, we had a lot of merchants ringing us, uh, those who were still trading, ringing us, making sure that they had the right kind of capabilities and looking to be able to take remote payments. But if I if we look specifically at card present, the shift from cash to card is pretty marked. So prior to the current situation, it would have been 51% cash, 49% card. Now we're gone 70-30 in favour of card. So it's very marked and it's something that uh, obviously we welcome. We wish it had come about differently, but uh, we very much welcome it. If I may add to that point, the transformation has been really phenomenal. You mentioned the move from cash to card. Of course, contactless has been a major driver. But we have really seen throughout the entire ecosystem, we have seen an increase by cardholders for new activations. That was very strong, very apparent. We have seen a surge in interest by merchants, even in the categories that in the past were a little bit more reluctant to to shift. And the transformation that we have seen is something that was expected eventually to happen but over the next few years, and sometimes in a matter of weeks, we really have seen the entire ecosystem embracing a completely different world in terms of technology of payments. Yeah, I'd very much agree with that. I think if we look here, as soon as the BPFI announced the decision to move the limits from 30 euros to 50, I think the industry here responded very quickly and certainly we had migrated our our entire base pretty rapidly to make that change from 30 euros to 50 euros. We're now seeing 68% of uh, card transactions are contactless. The other thing that we did proactively was to go out to our merchants to ensure that they had capabilities to take payments over the phone or to have technologies such as pay by link because we, we felt that was a very important way of enabling key sectors, so essential sectors like pharmacy and grocery to uh, stay in business and look after their customers. And we were very heartened by the uptake on that. And Adolfo, if you look across the international consumer spending trends that you see over the last 10 weeks, and again, that theme of coming from the economies that experience these issues firstly, would you see anything else in terms of demographics or segmentation within the actual consumer spending trends? I think it's very interesting that you mentioned the demographic because that's one of the areas where we have seen some of the most surprising developments. There was one age bracket, uh, people 55 years old or, or older, that have been traditionally more cautious 
in adopting new technology, not just for payments, but also in terms of platform, online platform to tap into digital commerce or the food home deliveries and so on. And what we have seen is a very significant uptake in these 55 years and older categories. Now, most of it is by definition driven by the lockdown. So there might be like a a return to previous preference after the reopening of the economy. But just the size, this massive movement of people experimenting with new technology and based on our survey becoming very comfortable about their convenience really suggests to us that this is something that is here to stay, that there will be no return to the previous normal, but in terms of technology, in terms of e-commerce, in terms of digital payments, most of the gains that we have seen in recent weeks and months are here to stay. So both of you are pointing towards a significant digitization by merchants, Hubert, and a significant move online that you can see in terms of the evidence that you both have. Would that be correct? Yes, very much so. I think we those businesses that are e-com enabled, we can see how much they have they've grown and benefited from their ability to to be able to transact online in a world where face-to-face contact just I suppose for the initial period wasn't possible at all and I I think I would agree with Adolfo I think we're witnessing a major societal change across the world really as a consequence of this and it's difficult to see things ever going back to exactly the way they were and that that presents challenges and opportunities uh, for society and for for those of us in the payment sector. What have you seen that tells you that actually there's hope for the posts lockdown times in domestic movements of the country? Yes, so I think straight after the announcement on the weekend, I think it was the 5th of June, that the phasing of the lockdown and the phases were going to be reduced and some of the, let's say, the the milestones were going to be fast-tracked, we saw immediately a pickup in activity to the extent, as I think I said earlier, that for the month of June, we're about 20% up on where we were in May. So you can see that when the government make the announcements and set out the roadmap clearly, you can certainly see the response from the people. It's been a slow and steady approach here. I'd say so far so good, but I think the practicalities around social distancing is something that we will, you know, we will have to wait and see how things go. Adolfo, I want to bring you to those, well, just barely, Hubert touched on it there, just in terms of, say, the hospitality and therefore the airline sector as well. So beyond the domestic hospitality sector, what about the international side? These travel corridors have been discussed in terms of catalyzing the normalization of the return to cross-border travel. Yeah, there have been a lot of conversation about the so-called bubbles, like this group of countries with very similar risk profiles in terms of contagion that maybe can reopen the borders. It's all very preliminary. I think that for countries belonging to the European Union, it's very difficult to follow the path of bubbles. There are international agreements. There is a Schengen Treaty that may regulate some of those bilateral relationships. So it's not easy to be 
so selective in the way that you reopen the economy. We are afraid that in terms of international travel, it may take a while to go back and see return to normal. We still have these limitations in terms of uh, freedom of movement. In some countries, it's still very difficult to get in. In some countries, it's very difficult to move. The United Kingdom still have a two weeks quarantine that is mandatory for everyone coming in. And that's just what government dictates. Again, going back to the previous idea, how long it will take for public to feel comfortable boarding those airplanes, maybe flying to a different country where there is no familiarity with the language, with the health system and so on. We think this will be very, very difficult during summer 2020. Some countries will probably be able to replace some of the international flows with domestic touristy flows. This is particularly true for the bigger countries like France, Italy, Spain. But for smaller countries or countries more far away where air connections are really important to get there, I think this may still be very problematic in coming months. Okay, thank you, Adolfo. And Hubert, just what does what does that mean for passenger flow to the travel cor- uh, corridors, and what does that mean for the airlines and the hotels moving into this recovery phase? Yeah, look, I think as we can see recovery in those sectors, in in the travel and hotel sectors, it's pretty insipid, to be honest. I think um, for what we're seeing, airlines are probably no better than fifteen to twenty percent of what they would not where they would normally be. So there, there's a way to go. And I think the factors that Adolfo mentioned are very relevant, not to mention, of course, the you know, issues around travel insurance and, and whether people are covered. If you look at any of the eye-opening stories of recent weeks in the worlds that you both operate in, both domestically, Hubert, here in, in Ireland and our island nation, and internationally, when you look across the Visa Europe MI, Adolfo, I'll just start with Adolfo. What, what's been the real eye-opener for you if you look to the future? Well, again, I will reiterate what we have discussed previously, but I think the speed of adoption of new technology, of the online channel, the shift of preference, how quickly the public has adapted to these circumstances, it's quite a remarkable story about human resilience in face of adversity. This was a major shock. Many people are still coping with economic implication and consequences. It will be painful to many. And yet, in general, as economy, we have seen everyone making the pivot, embracing the technology, the platform, the way to pay for goods and services that really help to absorb some of these unprecedented shock to the global economy. Hubert. What do you see in the months ahead? And look, this may be an evolving conversation we need to revisit again in, in weeks to come because with the phases reopening faster, it will be very interesting to stay close to what you're seeing in the spending data. Yes, look, I think one of the things that, if I may look at our own country for a moment, I think what we've seen is a shift towards local and a return to a great sense of community when the big shopping malls were closed. 
And, you know, I want to refer back to, you know, merchants who proactively contacted us looking for to ensure that they had facilities to take payments over the phone or to be able to download mobile apps to take payments. It wasn't just a business thing. It was a reflection of a practical concern for their customers. And I think um, I've been very heartened to witness that. So I, I think that those kinds of phenomena alongside, as Adolfo said, this shift to dig- digital experiences are the big lessons that we've learned. And I think these types of solutions will serve merchants in, in very good stead as they move forward. We would see that in the restaurant sector, for example, ongoing, there will still be a, a high proportion of trade done by way of takeaways and deliveries. So the solutions that we have in place to assist that mirror that societal change that we're seeing as a result of COVID. So this has been very interesting in terms of uh, both the international and the domestic angle and, and some very pronounced changes that we're experiencing in, as evidenced in the consumer spending data. Thanks to all our contributors today on this podcast. We brought you to some of the key consumer trends in Asia and Europe that have been reopening earlier than Ireland and the UK. Adolfo brought us through some of the international dimension from Visa Europe's perspective. And Hubert explained up-to-date domestic spending patterns emerging within the Irish economy. John brought us that macroeconomic backdrop to the patterns emerging across business and economies. Thank you to our customers and listeners for joining this special podcast, bringing you through key data on the emerging trends and themes coming out of countries that are ahead of Ireland. Sincerely, thanks to Hubert O'Donoghue, General Manager of AOB Merchant Services, Adolfo Laurenti, Principal European Economist with Visa Europe, and John Fahey, our Senior Economist. For more detailed information on this special podcast, please see details and links attached. And for the full range of AOB supports available to our customers, please visit aob.ie forward slash COVID-19. Please join us for the next episodes of our Market Talk podcast channel. Do please press the subscribe button to AOB's Market Talk on the podcast apps for iOS or Androids. Take care. Talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to the latest edition of AIB Market Talk. Allied Irish Bank's PLC is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. First Trust Bank is a trademark of AIB Group UK PLC authorised by the Prudential Regulation Authority and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority and the Prudential Regulation Authority. Allied Irish Bank GB and Allied Irish Bank GB Savings Direct are trademarks used under licence by AIB Group UK PLC, authorised by the Prudential Regulation Authority and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority and the Prudential Regulation Authority.